Uh, hello everybody and welcome back. We are back. Brand new series, brand new year, brand new start, new year, new me. Any other cliches you want to add into that? <laughs> <laughs> no, we are back. It's been a bit of an extended break. Uh, back with a brand new N2P podcast. Um, it's been a while and we're, we're, all, we're all back together. So I've managed to get Tim on this time again with us. How are you doing there, Timbo? Hey. All doing well, thank you. And uh, Matthew has decided to join us. We was meant to do this yesterday, but he came up with an excuse that he had to work. I mean, it's getting worse. Is he? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm so, not unfairly anymore, so I've got less and less time. <laughs> so I put him on the naughty step and give him another chance. <laughs> but no, uh, welcome back, everybody. Um, thought we'd start kick off. This episode with a bit of a catch up, see how we're all doing. We've had a, we've had Christmas. Is it too late to wish each other a happy New Year? It is like the yeah. end of January. I think it's a bit late, isn't it? Just general Absolutely. happiness. <laughs> how did you get on over the Christmas period, boys? Obviously, uh, we've uh, we haven't been together for what about four or five weeks. I think we haven't mm. really spoke to well seen each other, shall we say? How 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 was it? All right, yeah, nice to not be as hectic as usual over Christmas, a bit less traveling involved, and but also that comes with seeing less people, doesn't it? Which is a shame, um, you know, not ideal to not get out and about and see as many people because that's really what Christmas is about, isn't it? Is Absolutely. seeing people, seeing family, seeing friends. But it's other than that, it's been good, it's been you know, it was all right, it was nice and relaxing. I think more so stressful now being back at work with kids and working from home permanently and homeschooling, and oof, it's all gone off again, hasn't it? So, um, yeah. I think more challenges to come. Yeah. How was it for you, Tim? Was it a little bit different? All very strange. So uh, the first time for many years that we were able to do a service on Christmas morning. Yeah. Um, but we did some stuff on YouTube. So we recorded uh, different people. I mean, that's the lovely thing about folks having decent phones with cameras. People can record stuff and email it. And my boss put together a really nice montage. Let's use a bit of French. Um, of, uh, of different people so it was lovely to see people on video that we've not seen for quite a while uh, so that was nice and it's the bittersweet isn't it you enjoy it all the more because you've been apart but then afterwards you think oh I really miss those people yeah. Um, but yeah very strange same as Matty very little travel um, yeah really odd it's the first time in a long time that Christmas Day hasn't been um, busy thing after thing after thing after thing mm -hmm. so in some ways it was lovely in other ways it felt really weird yeah i mean we we wasn't going to we, we normally go to our brothers obviously with I mean, niece and nephew and stuff and uh we we normally go there but we wasn't going to go this year because my dad obviously if you follow the podcast my dad had covid my mum had covid i luckily dodged it i had a few days where i felt a bit shit but luckily i, I dodged it um so my dad won't really hasn't been that great so we wasn't going to go. Uh, but then I think they eased the restrictions a little bit, didn't they, just before, where you could, where you could make a travel if you had so many grandkids or whatever. So we ended up going. So it was kind of the same. But again, a little bit more subdued, I think. It wasn't as that mm. kind of Christmas, you know, wasn't that kind of thing. It was just a, a, it felt like a Sunday roast <laughs> with yeah. a few presents. <laughs> But it was good. It was good to kind of see other people and, and, and still kind of celebrate that kind of Christmas day. But um, yeah, all very odd. I think the, the run up was very different as well. Yeah. So all of the kind of office parties, meeting up with friends, all of those things that we do as part of the run up to it were missing. Um, so I think that took away from a lot of the whether you are religious or secular, it doesn't make any difference. It's a fantastic mm. opportunity where everybody gets to spend time together and that's gone. Yeah. So for us, the religious part stayed the same. We still celebrated Christ's birth, but we couldn't do it together. And so that took away that communal part. No work Christmas dues, no really, really strange. So the whole of December, if you just take away the one day, the whole of December was really very different. So you've got that dark, long nights without the kind of get together and all the mm. things that we would normally do. Yeah, yeah we, yeah, we missed that to be fair. 
that's that's the bit you miss isn't it it's as you say mm. Tim, it, it can sometimes seem very hectic while you're doing it but when you're not doing it you, you do miss it you do miss seeing those people you don't see all of the time and just nipping out to see mm. friends dropping off presents and family you don't see very often um you know getting the chance to do that because everybody's off work and you know people are off work at the same time very often um so yeah. it's nice to do that but yeah you do miss that a bit yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I I would have been at work. I'd have worked all the way through it. Obviously, I've been mm. in the hospitality trade. Um, we've had it pretty tough these last uh, last few months. We'll get into the kind of modern news in a second, but um, yeah, I, I would have worked all the way through. So yeah, it felt a bit odd, but then it felt a bit nice to have Christmas off. But then I, I couldn't obviously obviously celebrate that kind of week off, that two weeks off, or go for a drink or anything it was just it's been really odd honestly it feels like it just feels weird not having that get up and go to go to work and get up and go and but anyway we'll get into that in a second but um yeah so since we got together we've had the kind of news of the new lockdown so it's kind of come at a weird time i think for for us in the hospitality trade it's hitting us it's been catastrophic it has been awful. I mean, a lot of the people I've spoke to and some of the people in, in my kind of business have really struggled. Um, what's it been like for you, Tim? Uh, obviously, kind of, obviously, you're kind of still kind of doing bits. Matt, you're still doing bits. So how's it been this kind of new lockdown? Well, we've not changed from last year, really. So uh, places of worship can open and we can do services. But just because we can, we felt as a local church that we wouldn't even though we could because it just opens up that risk you know, there's so many people really really vulnerable and then if we're to say oh yeah come on let's meet together even distance within a building it just increases that risk so we've carried on uh, our building is still closed we've carried on doing stuff using zoom and youtube and facebook whatever that live or whatever they call it <laughs> i'm not entirely sure um <laughs> And that's working okay. And it is, it, and in a way, even if we did meet in the building, we couldn't have coffee, we couldn't chat in groups because those yeah. things are still prohibited. Um, so yeah, we're, we're just kind of trying to do our bit. This has been harder this time um, for two reasons, I think. One is that people are just really fatigued by it. And it's been going on for so long for some people. You know, there's, there's some quite poorly people who were, were shielding before we were locked down in effect um and so i think that kind of um just weariness has, has really settled in for people and then there's this kind of glimmer of hope on the horizon that you know we're all going to get vaccinated and and that'll be it back to normal which may not be entirely the reality i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist so i don't know but i've learned maybe not to put hope entirely into yeah. the hands of science yeah. <laughs> things do go wrong so yeah i think the biggest difference for us is people just seem a little bit more down a little bit more jaded by it um, and so we're trying to help people get through that which over the phone isn't very easy mm. yeah i think since going since going back after after the christmas break back to work on the 4th of january i found it so much harder this time around a lot harder than than uh, than March last year. Um, obviously, it, it was difficult that time because having the doubts about not knowing if you've got a job to go back to is horrible. But um, certainly, the weather helps. The novelty kind of helped at that time as well. Everybody's in the same boat. There was, you know, when you look back, really in hindsight, with the clap for carers and whatnot, there's a. I hate using the phrase uh, blitz spirit, but there was something about it where everybody was in the same boat doing the same thing. I think this time round, it's much more disjointed. Um, the time of year is different. It's cold, it's dark, it's wet. Um, I think I'm back working at home permanently now. So initially we were back in the office on a rotor basis, whereby we'd be in sort of two or three days a week, depending on, the, um, depending on which week it was. And that was much better, seeing people, seeing different people. Um, I love my family to bits, but all day, every day can become... <laughs> A bit draining. Um, Laura's back at work as well. Uh, all of us homeschooling for part of the week, which is very tough. I, I don't have the time to give to him that he that he deserves, to be honest, to do his work. 
Um, Laura's very, very busy with Ava. She's only one and a bit. She's running around all over. She's causing chaos. She's not easy to deal with and run a house. Um, so a lot of families are in the same situation at the moment. For me, it's been a lot tougher this time. Even just the um, simple things that you don't realise. So people say, oh, well, if, when you come home from work, you'd be straight on with dealing with the kids in the house, etc." Anyway, yeah, you would, but you, you have that sort of 20, 30 minute commute in my case where it does make a difference to switch off a little bit. You know, yeah. for me now, what, 30 seconds to get down the stairs. Um, it's it's con- you're constantly on the go. I just, I feel, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was at its worst, really. I felt exhausted. I felt like I, I was completely drained, really. I wasn't tired in the sense of yawning my head off all the time. I just, I was worn down. I'd had enough. Um, you know, I just, I remember sitting and speaking to Laura about it. And I just said, I don't, I don't know what to do now. I'm, I'm done. You know, I can't. I was really struggling with the fact that I was just doing the same thing, seeing the same four walls every day. Work becomes home and home becomes work. And I think that's a very dangerous combination. Um, you know, there needs to be a, switch off um i had to remind myself to go out for a walk i have to remind myself to go and get a drink um i, I sit in this chair most days every day working um you know and then when i'm not working i'm doing something else which you know I, i'm not going to complain about that i think that the fact is it the different the difficult thing is when home becomes work um and trying to switch off and switch on to something else becomes quite difficult i think that's why people are finding it tough at the moment yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I've really struggled this 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 one. I think really bad. Luckily, you can't see below my chest because it's. <laughs> I look like a capital D. I look. I'm honestly, it's so bad. It's so bad. I just I just lost it. I just lost it. I think this lockdown, really bad. I just lost everything. I even felt like sacking this off. To be fair, first time yeah. ever. Really, yeah. I just I just really felt like sacking this off and just. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, I don't know, I mentioned on here before, I can turn one day into two days, into three days, yeah. I can turn three days into a week, I can turn a week into a month and just do nothing. And I find it really hard to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm at the stage now with my kind of mental health where it's like everything I, I would do, like I, I would go to the gym or I would, you know, I'd meet up with a couple of friends and whatever, or go to cinema or whatever, you know, like a normal person. Mm-hmm. That's gone. So... The gyms are shut. I can't go out. Well, I can't go out, but do you know what I mean? It's really difficult. Mm. So the things that would help me, I can't do anymore. So I'm having to find different things. So obviously yeah. we had a little break uh, through Christmas with this, which is great, you know, fantastic. And I don't know. I, I could. I was. Stop me when this sounds familiar. So I was awake all night, slept all day, lethargic, couldn't be asked. Never left my bedroom. Uh, I, I can remember I went three or four days without even a drink of water. I couldn't be asked to get out of my bedroom. Mm-hmm. I found it really hard to get out of bed. So, yeah, I'm just, if you're listening and this is very familiar, just drop us a little comment and let us know what it's like. I, that's what I've been like for about four weeks. It's been awful. I think a lot of people in the hospitality trade are very similar to me as well. Mm-hmm. Our, our jobs are quite on the go. You, you go to work, you clock in, and then you go, and then you you clock out and then that's when you you stop basically so going from that structure of being busy all the time busy all the time busy all the time having that structure of going to work and going to the gym and you know that that kind of social life that comes with hospitality and stuff it's just gone Mm. and i know a lot of people are in the same boat as me as well so i had uh the the topic for this podcast um i mentioned it to the lads in the little group we have um it, it I was watching a documentary about the actor Danny Trejo. Have you seen Danny Trejo? Uh, Mexican actor. The Mexican in, fellow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. been in um, Dust Till Dawn and Expendables. Kind of, yeah, Mexican Chuck Norris, shall we say. Yeah. Um, I was watching his documentary and it's absolutely brilliant. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, Inmate number one, I think. It's on Sky. You'll be able to pick it up mm. on the documentary thing. And he's had a really troubled life and he went through very, you no, know, he went through crime, got involved in crime, blah, 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 blah. And he went to talk to some inmates and he mentioned the thing about having that crossroads moment in life. So the topic of this podcast is like having that moment in time where you make a decision, whether you go one way or another. And with mental health and with anything in life, you will have that moment where it's your time to go, right, I need to have a go that way, I'll go that way. So... He was talking and it was really interesting and it, it kind of just 
triggered something in me to say, right, so this is what, a couple of weeks ago. So I've been two weeks, I've been running again. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out walking, doing little workouts at home just to kind of break that fucking cycle. Honestly, it's awful. It's awful. That's So that's how my lockdown's been, really. It's been quite shit. Um, yeah, it's been really bad. And I know a lot of people are in the same boat. And there, are, there is help out there. You know, you can use the tech service with Samaritans and stuff and just that Let's Talk campaign and stuff. So if you do need to talk to somebody, you can do that. Obviously, I have I have this to fall back on, you know, people to talk to and stuff, which has been really good. But yeah, so the topic is that crossroads moment in life. So, boys, uh, I know I've, I've had one personally. Um, what's, what's your kind of feelings towards that? Have you had that kind of moment in life where you said, now's my time to make a make a change and do something about it? I think, I think mine was quite simple because it was forced upon me. Um, I didn't I didn't make the choice for that. It was, you know, the case of when I, I became really ill and the panic attacks really took hold, I physically couldn't do anything anymore. Um, and as we discussed previously, you know, and if you want to hear the backstory, go back all, all the way to the first episode. And, you know, it was one of those things where because I was so ill, I, I thought there'd be a medical way out. Um, so straight to the doctors and look for that medical. I was, I was determined to find something that was wrong. Um, and that wasn't necessarily a, a crossroads moment of me consciously thinking that. It was just because, well, you're ill, you go to the doctors, that's what you do. Um, I, I was, I suppose if you'd have said to me then, oh, well, it's because you're depressed or you're in denial or you, you've got anxiety or what, I wouldn't, that's right, no, no, no I'm, I'm really ill. There's something wrong with me. Um, you go to doctors, you get your blood tests, you find out what it is. Um, and it wasn't until sort of a few weeks down the line of going backwards and forwards to them and they physically couldn't find anything and I was physically incredibly fit, unlike now. Um, you know, they, they couldn't, they literally couldn't find a thing and then they sat down and made me do one of those stupid questionnaires where you ring or one to five on a, or one to ten on a scale kind of thing. And I gave that back to them and they, they just said, wow. And I was like, what? And it's like, you're just, you're very, very ill. I was like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you know when they say that you know you, you, you're incredible you're suffering with very severe depression and anxiety I was like no nah, I'm not I'm fine I'm, I'm quite happy um, so I suppose my crossroads came when I was still massively in denial about it but then I, from there I became incredibly determined just to put it right because I wanted it, I wanted to go back to how I was and back to feeling fine and back to being able to do everything I could previously do um, you know which is it, that was that crossroads then and I think since then I've had a lot um quite a few where I could have gone one way or the other um I think my whole life's been things where I could have gone one way or the other um from being younger to to that moment there was there was certainly areas in which I could have tipped over one side or carried on playing sport and going down the straight and narrow which thankfully I did could have gone other ways if I'd have probably wanted to but I was focused on something. Um, I think after after all that, I've made I've had to make conscious decisions as, as I've gone along in my life, and I've got probably fifty percent of them right and fifty percent of them wrong. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors in judgment, a lot of things that I thought were right at the time were just completely wrong. Um, probably upset a fair few people, even unintentionally. But I think crossroads moments come for everyone, and it's not. I think people assume it is like that big one hallelujah moment. It's not life just keeps throwing them up and you're going to have to make decisions at some point, whether that be good, bad or indifferent. Um, they'll always be there. And it just becomes a bit easier to manage the older and wiser you get, I suppose. And I'm certainly nowhere near that yet. So I'll, I'll keep fucking up for a few years and then we'll see how we go. <laughs> how was it for, for you, Tim? Was it? Was it the, the death of your friend that made you kind of give you that kind of pivot in the road kind of thing or anything like that? Um, I mean, that was, so that was kind of the beginning of the end. Uh, so it was a, a series of events. So Dan died in the January um, and then I had a, a stroke in the, in the March. And it was, it was very much, what do I do next? And it wasn't even my health that made me look at getting help. It was the effect it was having on my family. Mm. And I'd got to the point where I really didn't care. I really, really didn't care. Um, I was in 
a job that was falling apart and ultimately I, I left and it was a job that I gave my career up for. Um, I didn't know what to do. I tried medication, several different types uh, with quite limited success. But what I realized was, was I was missing out on all that was happening with my family. And even when I didn't care about myself, seeing them, um, well, not seeing them actually. Yeah. Not, not noticing, not <laughs> noticing what our daughter was doing, not asking how her exams were going, not, and I thought, this is, this is bad. Um, when, when Dan took his, his life, and that was his decision, and, and he got there for lots of reasons, I don't doubt. But I saw the effect he had on his family. I, I stood and, and, and spoke to his son and his, and his wife and his parents. And I thought, flipping heck, I don't want my family to feel like that, even though I'm not dead, that I'm just so distant from what's going on and they were the they were the people that made me give myself a kick up the arse and and uh, I saw uh, your video mark uh, for man club and I thought well I'll I'll give this a go because the medication hasn't worked and I, I was a, a mental health specialist social worker so I'd sat in meetings I'd discussed other people's treatment and medication and I knew all the ups and the downs but when it was me it was so very different I I gained in that six months such an insight into what people were, were telling me they were going through and stuff that I would just cast aside or I, you just have to put up with that. But when, when you go through it, you realize it's pretty, pretty hideous. Um, and, beyond, and beyond that, I, I have to make decisions every day because like you, Mark, I can so easily think, well, today's just an absolute waste now. And it's so easy just to say, right, well, I'll just go, go to bed for a bit or, I'll just sit in front of the telly all day or, but it is all the time making those decisions. But the big one was, I'm, I'm actually, I wasn't losing my family, but I just withdrew from it. And that, that was just more than I could bear really. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? So if you, for me, luckily, like I, I've had a few, I've had a few little, like Matt says, you, you get little signs, don't you, throughout your life where it's time to, just think about things and then, but for me, I would compartmentalize everything. I'd just lock everything away and just not bother and ignore ignore it. I would, I'd just ignore it. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, I can, don't really matter. I can just sack it off and what have you. And, but for me, the, 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 it kind of bottled up. I think when Scott died, I had a chance when Scott, when Scott passed away, I had a chance to say, right, do you know what? Now's a little bit of time. Maybe just go talk to somebody or maybe just, you know, go to, I did go to my GP. Before I sat down, he went, oh, you've got depression. I went, well, you haven't even said hello to me yet. How the fuck do you know? <laughs> it's this massive sign over there. I went in with one of them sandwich boards on, and I went, I need help. And I, was, I, I, I don't know. He said, you've got depression. I went, oh, oh great. Fantastic. So I have I have tried numerous things in the past, like little little bits. But the, 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 the big kind of, the big fork in the road for me was when, obviously, I went through my divorce, and my wife went, tatty bye. And I've said in the podcast before, like Matt, if you if you if you know our stories or you want to get just skip back to, to kind of the first few episodes, we kind of go through our stories a little bit. Um, I had to realize this, like a bit like Tim. I realized my what I was doing was affecting the people around me. So obviously my wife, I, I didn't know really. Well, I can't, well, it, that's another podcast. Um my, my, my wife was like, you know, I, I just don't feel this anymore. I'm going, you know, I, I didn't realise the effects I had on my friends. Like some of my friends have told me like, you know, I was a fucking asshole sometimes. So that was my crossroads moment to say, right, I'm going to go. I'm going to bite my lip. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick with it. And thankfully I made the right decision. But I know a few people have gone the other way. Who are like us and said, maybe now is not my time. I think you've got to know. I think you've got to really know. And you've got to really want to go that way, I think. Like Matt said, he he, he didn't really want to do it. It was kind of forced upon him. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that was mine, really, when I was sat on the sofa in my dressing gown, my underpants. Like, my life's, just, my life's over. My life's I, I, I lost. I quit my job and everything. Like, I think I in some that. cases, though, potentially, I think in some cases people don't know that the moment or what the moment was until they look back in hindsight anyway. You've already 
potentially subconsciously make those decisions without without thinking about them, without overthinking. And then when yeah. you look back in a few years' time, you kind of go, well, that was a big moment in my life. I just didn't realise it. Um, you know, I, I didn't realise how much of a, a big moment that was going to be and look what it's turned out to be. Um, you know, I think people come to these crossroads, as I say, quite often. Um, it's just that ours have been quite big and quite pronounced and that they, they happen for that reason. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned there about losing your friends, and it really affected me when when I lost a friend of mine, not not suicide to um, to heart disease. Um, we set up a, a charity for him, the Stephen Hughes Foundation, and we continue to do work for that. And I think the fact that frightened us so much then was he was very fit, very healthy, great young lad, um, teacher, twenty three years old, and we kind of. <laughs> me and my mates we all kind of looked to each other and was like shit maybe we should start doing something with our lives <laughs> um, you know be be put, put our energy into something and be productive with something and do something for a reason um i think sometimes it's easy just to get carried along with with life you know and that's probably one of my my main motivators to to go back to university and learn more and and improve myself a bit and, and without realizing i didn't know then that that was what's driven me to it. But the more I look back now and I kind of go, actually, yeah, the fact that somebody's life ended who was at a very similar age to me, he was friends with all of my friends, and we kind of, you know, I think we've all took something from it. Um, you know, we can't waste that time. And then as time goes on, you you, you take that for granted more and more. Um, but you come to another crossroad, you know, people you know are close to you dying for other reasons and, and, and suicide and loss becomes a huge part of your life that, it can either be a, a driving factor for change or it can pull you further down. Um, you just have to react to that at the time and see where you go. Um, I was on a, a thing with work yesterday, a, uh, a call, and there was a, a guy who I want to try and get on here actually called John Bond. He's a, he's a coach. He coaches people in business. And he was saying that, you know, connection is very, very important. And we know that ourselves, don't we, from, from what we do on this podcast. But he said that, you know, one of the, the scariest things he ever had to do was he lives in the Manchester area and his son who's 13 just said to him one day he said dad how many people died and he said what, what do you mean he said um, how many people died dad he said but where when and it was not long after the Manchester bombings in the um, arena now a couple of his friend his son's friends were there but thankfully unharmed and, and safe and he said, well, you know, Dad, I'm worried about terrorist attacks. And he said, no, you don't have to worry about it. You know, statistically, you're nowhere near getting anywhere near that. Don't worry. You know, doing that thing with parenting we all do where, you know, tries to make it better and makes it worse. So you're more likely to get hit by a bus. And, you know, so you terrify him a bit more. But exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you, you do that. You do end up doing that as a parent, don't you? And, it, and he said, all right, okay. He said, well, Dad, what, what's more likely to kill me? He said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, you know the statistics on that. So what, what's more likely to kill me? And he said, I had to sit there and think about it and then explain to my 13-year-old son that in the next 10 to 15 years, the thing that's most likely to kill him is his self. And that, for me, just hit me. You're having to tell a 13-year-old boy that within the next 10 to 15 years, the biggest threat and danger to his life is himself. And that's a culture we've created. That that is the biggest threat to a, to a young boy. Now at 13, he can't get his head around that and understand that. But we need to change a culture where that is the norm and that is the danger. And these forks in the road are things that we need to get people to express more and speak more about. And less and less of those people become a danger to themselves. At the end of the day, what we're speaking about, yes, it's our own personal experiences, but it's very real for a great many people. Um, and just let that sink in, a 13-year-old boy over the next 10 to 15 years of their life are the biggest threat to themselves. I think it's bad. I think, uh, Tim, how have you, uh, over this kind of period, have you had many people kind of come, come to you and talk about um, this kind of thing we're talking about today? Like, have you had any kind of people come to, you, come to the church and speak to you about anything? Um, not to the church, but certainly online, uh, it is this lack of hope, which, uh, when, when your routines are taken away, uh, and I've had people who've lost jobs and, 
it is you add into that oh how do I find a job now I can't how does that work um and it, it is very hard because ordinarily I'd sit down with a brew and and talk and you can you can actually engage one of the best things I did as part of my sort of ongoing recovery was engage with people uh and Mark being one of those one of those people in another group because once you engage with a person you share that part of your life they'll be there to be a part of your support and it's really hard to do that now it's really hard to, to sort of keep track of people and um I'm not a big hugger and it's it's not about the physical proximity, but it's about seeing somebody face to face and seeing how they respond and how they react. And it's very hard to support people at the moment. All I would say is uh, have those conversations. I I don't really like the phone very much. <laughs> I have much more a sit down with a brew and talk about stuff than I am on the phone. But that, you know, this is just how we are at the moment. It is all on the phone and I think the, the the most concerning trend is it's it's young younger men so younger than me uh with with families and, and I think flipping out because it's not just that person it's it's the it's the it's the children of, of whatever age and how they respond and how they cope because we know that um whether it, it's suicide or people relationships splitting up it is it is the dependents that that struggle with that probably the most because it's the questions they ask of why. Uh, certainly, the, the questions I asked myself after Dan died and after our friend Steve died is, could I have done? Should I have done? If I'd done, were they asking? Did I not pick up on it? All those questions. And although it's it's a bit cliched that it's it's okay to talk or it's good to talk, and and we've spoken about this in in the past in the sort of podcasts. I would say it's absolutely essential to talk, absolutely essential. Um, I am a massive internalizer of emotion and I'll and I'll sit of an evening if Andrea's out and I'll let thoughts dwell in my mind and I'll build things up. And yet a five minute conversation with somebody and it can dispel all that. Yeah. I am my own worst enemy. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. Not answering phone calls. It's like, oh, I'll ring him back later or I'll text him and say, I'm all, everything's all all right. Uh, I am my own worst enemy, uh, and it's the it's a slight curse of um, of social media, which is why I use it very infrequently. Is that you can have a thousand friends and be the loneliest man on earth when all those friends are a digital numbers on a screen, whereas I'd rather have three mates who you know I know I know are there and and I'll, I can speak to. Uh, but we, we're moving away from that culturally. We're moving away from that sort of relationship and communication. Uh, and I think the only way we can improve certainly men's mental health is by improving that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, like we always say we speak from experience, but we are very similar people. Those three. I think we, we all kind of pick each other's kind of, I'm very similar to Tim in, in, on the same. I'll just sack everything off, ignore my phone. Don't really like speaking on. I I much prefer coffee and a chinwag, which I don't do. Which I'm the, I am uh, Jay Jay Bell. He's spoken on here before. I am my own worst enemy. I I I don't I don't practice what I preach. Sometimes, you know, I will I will literally just sit there and just let it go, and then try again tomorrow. And then when that doesn't happen, I try again the next day. Yeah. Instead of just picking, up, picking up the phone or dropping you boys a text or just going downstairs and sitting in the living room and mum and dad saying, oh, you're all right, how's it going, kind of thing. I just don't do it. I, I just... that's, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, this podcast isn't about perfection. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever get it right. I think that the interesting thing is um, everybody's just got to try. I think as long as we're trying, we're all right. And I don't want to say surviving because that makes it sound like we're we're all in this disgustingly horrible dark place and nothing will ever be amazing or good or we'll never have any joy. Because that's incorrect, you know. I think to everybody listening and watching, we're, we're all right. You know, we, we we just like to discuss openly for other people what's what's going on and, and what it's really like because honest discussions don't happen enough. Um, no, you're right. I'm, I'm a pretty happy guy. 
Um, you two, I know that you two guys are the majority of the time as well. It's just we'd rather be honest about it and say, look, this is this is how it is. And it opens up the forum for other people to say the same. And I'd love to hear from more people who at least recognise some of these traits. We're not saying do everything we say to do because you'll be amazing because you won't be able to do it. We can't do it. We, you know, we're very good at saying what to do and very bad at acting it out. It's just a bit of advice, a few thoughts, and just a few ideas. And throw your hat into the ring and let us know yours, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're back. We've had a we've had a short interlude. I've let I've let them go to toilet. They put the hands up, so I let them go to toilet. Um, <laughs> I just want to nip back into this crossroads thing. Um, Obviously, there's a few different, you can have like an internal crossroads with like your emotional crossroads kind of in your life, an external thing, like we've had an external kind of crossroad moment, haven't we really? Um, I just want to go for like, how did it feel and like kind of what process did you do to kind of um, get through that kind of moment? Was it a, an I, did you turn an I into a we and kind of go through kind of support groups like I, I know like me and Tim did? Um, Matt, what did, what did it feel like and what did you kind of do to get through it? Yeah, for me, like I said, it was more first looking on the medical side. And then when I realised I couldn't do anything through that, it was um, I, I dealt with it with the, the sportsman's mentality, I suppose, of pushing myself to do a bit at a time. Um, so not being able to leave the house, went to going out in the garden for a bit, going out in the garden, went to walking half of the length of the street and back went to walking the full length of the street and back, went to going to the shop at the top of the road and back and building constantly to do that. Sound like very small things and very small challenges. And that full process of going into a shop at the top of the street took me probably two and a half, three months um, of just building up, building up, building up from there and trying to keep going. Um, I approached it like that, really. I approached it as a, as maybe some people had approached training for a marathon or, or anything like that. So a small exposure and doing it as much as I could at any one time and going again the next day and setting that next challenge for that next day. Um, you know, with, as I say, we look at a lot of this with hindsight. I think with hindsight, it's probably the most driven I've ever been to do anything. Um, you know, if I had set out that sort of application and that sort of... Um, structure to what I do now I'd probably be very good <laughs> I'm just not that good anymore at structure and and things like that but you know it's um implementing that I kind of had to do it all on my own no, no one was going to do that for me um and I think the key thing to all of this is no matter how you tackle it you can as you say you know go to groups and, and turn the eye into a we which is great and bring people along for the journey but no one's going to do it for you no one will ever do it for you um you, they can they can and do you know what I think what one of the things I've mentioned before is, is seeing it being so tough for people um, who've lost people to suicide and things that they share and their thoughts and their feelings and that feeling of just despair of why couldn't they help them and it, it's sometimes you have to say to those people it's not your fault you you couldn't love anymore you couldn't care anymore it, it it rests with the person who is struggling. They, if they feel there's no other way, there will be no other way. No other amount of love, care, help can really get them through unless it's it's in their want and their being to do that. Um, obviously, it, people, as we've mentioned before, in those situations are very good at hiding it. I was very good at hiding it. Um, you know, you, you get very good at hiding how you feel. So if you're in that mind frame, then of course you cannot blame yourself if somebody cho chooses to, to take their own life or to, you know, or, or miss the fact that they're struggling. You cannot blame yourselves for that. And more and more so now I see people living with the grief of losing people and questioning what they could have done. In reality, although, you know, we, we can do certain things, very little, you know, you can be there, just be there. All you need to do is be there, listen. And do you know what? You don't even need to offer advice. Include them. Include them in things, and that's it. It's all you can do. It's a small thing, and it makes such a huge difference. Um, but for me, it was just plugging along on my own. I think being a, a teenager at the time, in my late teens, the issue there as well, friends don't come visit you, really. 
for doing their own thing. Um, I found that incredibly tough. I have two or three friends who would come. Um, one in particular, and I've mentioned before, I didn't really speak to her that much now, and I could not be more grateful for the amount of time she used to come and sit and spend with me and be a friend and listen and talk and not about anything I was doing, but, you know, about her life as well, about things in general, making it normal, making my life normal for a bit. I'll forever be grateful to her for that, you know, and I've maybe not said that to her, certainly not first to first. Um, you know, as I said, I don't see them yet, so uh, hopefully one day I'll get the chance to, but it was just very, very, um, very strange to go through that and have to do it alone, but I did, um, thankfully. It went all right in the end, <laughs> but, but yeah, very tough. Um, I wish at that point in my life I'd have known more. Um, I didn't really have the life experience to deal with it either as somebody being so young. Mm. So it made it perhaps a little bit tougher in that aspect, but then I, I think it helped my approach, to be honest. Yeah. How was it for you then, Tim? What did it kind of make you feel when you got to that moment in life where you had to, um, well, you didn't have to, but you decided to go and kind of, kind of, Join me on a Monday night. Indeed. It was a massive mix of emotions, really. Um, I I don't think I've been on that first Monday night more nervous in my entire life. I got in the door, faced with this group of fellas, a rugby ball, and <laughs> there wasn't my comfort zones were just dots in the distance. Um, but what got me there was I I had run out of every other resource. In my professional life, I was the person people came to. I was the one that you would sit and talk to. And, and I, I generated that. So, you know, it's no way else to put that on me. I wasn't very good at talking to my wife. Uh, and I just... I, I couldn't see anything else. And I, and I came across these videos. I just searched on the internet men's health mental health groups i've watched some videos a couple of the fellas did uh so explaining how they'd come to the group and uh yeah it was horrific actually really really horrific however it's made connections and friendships that have seen me through the last what, three years which uh I, yeah it's just amazing but yeah. it was uh it wasn't one of those, I didn't go skipping off into Hull thinking, oh, I can't wait to get there and it's going to solve all my problems and it's going to be great. And every Monday for the, for the time that we're going there, there was always a, a kind of a sense of apprehension of, um, because I didn't want to say how I was. I didn't want to say I, I'm depressed and I, and I struggle with these things because it makes it real. And my last myth about myself was it'll, it, it'll be fine. I'll just get through the day. If I get through the day, I can get through the week. If I can get through the week, I can get through the month. Uh, but actually saying it was really liberating in many ways, but it was quite horrific, really. It stripped away that. The thing that I've been holding on to for a long time, uh, two lies. One is there's always someone worse off. I've not got it that bad. And the other was I'll just keep going. I'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, and I think that saying that for quite a lot of years, uh, probably robbed me of a lot of time when I could be enjoying myself because <laughs> the concentration was just getting through. I'll just get through. I'll just get through. I'll just get yeah. through. Yeah. Uh, if I can get this job done or I can get this project over with or I can get this year done, then it'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's not a good way to live. No, it's not. It, it's that. It's part of the 12-step uh, philosophy, isn't it, just for today? Just for today, I will. If the grace, that's right. What will you do today? Just for today, I will. I don't know, make your bed. I don't know, anything. And it, just have those small achievable targets and you'll feel so much better about yourself. You know, just for today, I will. Um, I don't really subscribe to the 12-step program myself. Not had that, thankfully, <laughs> that kind of relationship with alcohol or drugs or, or whatnot. But uh, it's just something I've picked up on years of reading and, and listening and stuff. And, you know, just for today, just for today, I will. And then if you can achieve something today, you'll achieve something tomorrow. You know, small steps build massive foundations. You know, you, 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 you can't build on top of nothing. So just small little wins and you'll get there. And 
it's one of the most important things I've learned, to be honest. You can't do everything in a day. I'm the sort of person and I, I want things to be done and I want them to be done now. And I push things and I strive for things and I want to get them done as soon as possible. And really, you know, if, if it requires me to work out, I don't care, I'll do it. But I've had to learn sometimes that slow and steady and start small. Um, you know, you can't win everything all the time. You can't win quickly all the time. Um, you'll get there. I think, like, for me, it's, it's very, <laughs> me and Tim are very, very similar. I have to start off the beard. We have the same hair, but. I we do have the same hair. I haven't got the uh, Uncle Albert, unfortunately. I was very similar to Tim. I was that kind of, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll put it off. I, I you know, there's, there's, there's people worse off than me. It, I, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I'll just crack on kind of thing do you know what I mean and then obviously that realization I think that's the big thing it's that acceptance and that realization that everything's not okay and you do need to you do need to get stuff off your chest and you do need to talk to people and you, you do need to kind of seek help when you need to seek help I think for me I would I'm not very good at doing things on my own one second I'm not very good at doing things on my own it's like this podcast. I'd never ever sit there with a camera on me and just. I I need that that support around me. I think uh, that's what I've realised through through all this, through through the crossroads moments, through the emotional kind of moments. I need that that I into we. Um, you know, I think that's why. You know that that even in my work, you know, I find hard doing things on my own. I I need that kind of guiding things. It's a bit like the gym when I went to Proactive. I would I, I could have just gone to any gym, but I didn't. I went to that gym where I had three or four people around me guiding me, helping me, giving me a little nudge when I needed a little nudge. So yeah, I think you can try to do things on your own. This everyone's different. We say everyone's different. Everyone is completely different. But but for me I, I needed that little little person on my little shoulder saying, try this, try that. You are good enough. You can do this. So I think it's it's whenever whenever you get to that moment, <clears throat> just try just try your best, try your best. Seek out help, uh, text a mate, ring a mate, whatever. Just do whatever you can to kind of get through them moments. I think, and it, it, it is it is tough. But like I mean, we're not going to lie to you and tell you it's all rosy when you get down that road and you know there's the light at the end of the tunnel and it's all fantastic. It's not. It's fucking difficult. <laughs> Because you'll get you'll get past one stage and then something else will come up and you'll take a step back and then you'll try again and you'll take two steps forward and I think that's life, isn't it? And the life we live in now is very different to the life we lived in what almost a year ago, yeah. where everything was rosy. Yeah, yeah. Mike, I go back to go back to uh, what, what go back to what Jordan said to us when Jordan was on the podcast. Yeah, and I, um, you know the one thing that stuck with me from that is his heartbeat theory. You know, you're going to go up and down in life. You'll always go up and down. But as long as you're going up and down, you're living. If you're flatlining and everything's staying the same, you're dead. You're not doing anything. You know, you will go up and down in life. And that, that's what's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. I think that one of the most interesting things about this podcast and the group of people we have is there's pretty much exactly 10 years between all of us. We're all at different stages in our lives, all doing different things. And yet there's always things that we have in common all the time, can always talk about. I think we're all learning different things about each other and about, about life in general. Um, and I've learned so much doing this over the last year and a half or whatever we're up to now. Um, you know, and, and that thing about Jordan says, it, it will be up and down. You're going to have some really big highs and you know what? You're going to have some really crushing, shitty lows, but you're living. Be, be thankful, you're living. You know, as soon as you think everything's just plateauing and the same, you're not living anymore. And I don't mean you're physically dead. I just mean you're not living. You know, that's not life. Yeah. I think, like, if you if you, if you listen to the podcast, well done for getting this far. But, I mean, if you... <laughs> If you if, if, if you followed us through the series and stuff, and you, you, like we always say, you know, you, you might not like one of them, but you'll pick something from one of them. You'll pick something from another one and stuff like that. And I think the big thing that the, when we have our guests on is when we talk about crossroads moments, I would say 90% of them have had that moment. Like uh, Brad Guinness, our first ever guest, he had that mm -hmm. epiphany moment when he was on holiday in New York and he sat there and all of a sudden he, it, it, 
he had that moment in life. And Jordan, obviously, Jordan, the professional boxer Jordan, he's had that moment where he moved away to, to West Ham and pursued his amateur boxing career to move away from the troubles he was with and stuff like that. And I've had a lot of people on who have that moment. And I think the big thing you can take from that is that the, having that support network around you. And it, it's, import, it's important the people you have with you and, and around you. Like when we when we was with the man club, we did a talk at my old school, Archbishop. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we sent like little questions out and it was all saying, oh, the teachers and the teachers. And do you know what? The teachers are your best mates. They may seem like your enemy. They are your guidance. They are your best mates. And I wish I used that when I was when I was going through my troubles when I was that age. You know, use the people around you. You know, seek experience from people around you. The amount of knowledge I've got from from Jay, from Benno, from Tim, and, and from Matt. You know, when when we was playing in the same cricket team, I'd have never known that. You know, he was going through a bit of, bit of trouble and stuff. You know, meeting Tim's been fantastic. I've had an insight into into religion as well. And we're gonna yeah we, we are gonna talk about Tim's religion a little bit. I want to get him on and talk about um, yeah, a little bit more. But you know, use the people around you. It's very important to, to, to get that support. But um, in closing, segue. What a segue. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I've been, I've been learning. Um, but no, thanks, boys. Thanks, thanks for popping on. Um, want to kick off the new series, a new kind of batch of podcasts. I've booked a few real talks as well. So we've got a few guests coming on. Now I'm out my little slump. Thank God for that. It was horrible. Um, I've got a few guests coming on, which we'll hopefully get in in the next few couple of months. Um, but no, boys, thanks very much for jumping on. Matthew, you can go back to work. Cheers, mate. Uh, Tim, <laughs> you can go back to work. <laughs> no, thanks, boys. Thanks, boys. And hopefully, um, if you are a fan of the podcast, make sure you do give us a little like. Like I said on the last one, we're not monetized. You know, we get, we do all this for free out of our own free time. You know, we was meant to do this yesterday, but unfortunately things come up and, you know, we'll have to do it today. So we do it out of our own free time for just kind of a bit of insight into mental health and what people go through and stuff like that. So if you are struggling, I will put some phone numbers, actually, and some kind of groups in, in, in the description if you are struggling. Oh, do you know what? Drop us a message. You know, I'll pass them on to Tim or, or Matt or I'll, I'll have a chat with you as well and just drop us a message if you are struggling. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Um, but no thanks boys hopefully we'll catch you all soon give us a little follow and a little share it makes a big difference but um, thanks boys and see you on the sunny side